last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world, about which we are speaking, to angels, but someone has testified somewhere. What are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. The word of the Lord.
Moses command you. They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. So in that Gospel reading, Jesus is quoting a passage from Genesis 2. Because of the way we do our lectionary, I wasn't on it, I didn't get somebody to read that. So I'm going to read it to you right now because it's important. So reading from Genesis. The Lord God said, It is not good that the Adam, the human, should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle, and to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, Ah, oh, this, this, at last, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. So just hold on to that. So truth be told, I would much rather have preached about that wonderful beginning of the book of Job. But whenever the divorce stuff comes up in the gospel, you can't just leave that out 
elephant in the middle of the room. Um, we're in year B. I looked back at my year B in 2015, and yep, here it was. And I preached, and I talked about it. And the week that I was in Chautauqua this summer on Friday, there it was again, the Matthew version. So I preached about it. So some of you may have heard little tidbits out of this sermon before, because sometimes when you go back and look at sermons, you think, I don't know why I thought that. But this one I went back and I looked, and I thought, yep, still think that. So um, apologies if it's a rerun, but we can't, we can't talk about this too much, actually. So there was a story a few years ago that caught some attention in the news. It's a sweet little story. It was about a wedding someplace in Ohio. And as the father of the bride was walking the bride down the aisle, he stopped the procession midway and reached into the pew to grab the hand of the bride's stepfather and pull him out into the procession as they made their way to the altar. The stepfather burst into tears, and it was the photo of his face and of the two fathers with the daughter between them that captured our imaginations in the news for a moment. That moment was a glimpse into the complex reality of our lives and of our relationships, and it was a picture of love. What do we see in that picture? Well, we see at least one divorce, right? The bride's parents. One remarriage after divorce, the bride's mother and the stepfather. In the ritual of the father giving the bride away, we also see vestiges of the historical reality that a bride was simply property owned by the father and handed over to the husband. I'm actually not sure why that idea of the father giving the bride away is still so persistent, but it is. Every time you do a wedding, that's the thing people are, are all focused on. It makes no sense. Um, but in this particular story, we see this reinterpretation. We see the father recognizing his role as one of honor and privilege and love. And by including the stepfather, he also acknowledges the parenting and the love the stepfather provided to the bride. The dad said, I wanted him to know how much I appreciate what he has done for our daughter. An amazing image of transformation. Old ideas and an ancient ritual transformed to fit the occasion and the reality of this particular family and a chance to show love and respect and appreciation. So as I said, today's Gospel from Mark is a tough one. It's also in Matthew. And the Genesis 2 passage, beautiful in its imagery of God creating all of the animals and the human searching for the one that goes with him, is one of my favorite passages. But as you know, if you know this text, both Mark about divorce and this Genesis 2 passage have been used in all sorts of ways to hurt people and frankly to drive people away from the church. When these texts have been read and preached in ways that seek to impose the kind of legalism and judgment that the Pharisees are bringing to Jesus in today's story. Jesus moves past the legalistic way of thinking as he always does. But the Pharisees 
in the church, capital C, has often clung to some harmful ways of being around these texts. It's a shame. I often ask a bride and groom to trust me enough to choose that text for a scripture at their wedding, um, because I like to talk about, I like to try to work with the text um, to give it a fresh perspective. But today we're told that the Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Apparently, different schools of thought were hotly debating this issue, and it was one of those track questions for Jesus, like the, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar question. All of those things, they're always trying to trick him. In, in a sense, though, no matter what he answered, he, would, he was going to offend somebody. But Jesus turns the conversation around from the question of what is possible. He agrees. They say Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce. He was referring to passages in Deuteronomy. But Jesus turns it around to emphasize what God's vision is for wholeness for his human creatures, as it was written in Genesis 2. In Jesus' day, divorce was devastating for women, who no longer, under the protection of a patriarchal household, could be reduced to begging or prostitution. It was legal. But as we know, Jesus' concern is always for the weak. In this example, a woman who was given a certificate of divorce. So he reminds those asking the question, that it is more than simply a legal issue. Lots of things are legal. Lots of things are possible. But do they enhance our lives? Do they enhance our relationships with one another? Do they contribute to our communal flourishing? In today's forum just now, Dr. Paul Carr talked about what we are doing to the planet. Policies and practices, most of which are illegal, but which are destroying the air and water and the earth for our children and our grandchildren. In a report to Congress this week, Health and Human Services reported that there are 12,800 migrant children being held in detention camps here in our country, a five-fold increase in the last 16 months due to current immigration policies. In this exchange about divorce, Jesus is trying to get us to ask bigger questions, bigger questions than what is legal. He considers always God's intention for our flourishing from the original creation. Jesus is always pointing to that and trying to get us to turn our eyes and our hearts to the important questions. What is at stake? Where is your heart? What does God intend for us? as his beloved children. What do we really love the most? 
Do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Questions we might all ask as people of faith every day. It's most certainly true that there is almost no family that has not been touched by divorce in our time, and it was probably the case back then as well, which is why they were talking about it so much. So Jesus' teaching is against those who initiate divorce as a means to get something else or someone else, sacrificing a spouse to satisfy one's desires or ambitions. He doesn't really give a sweeping legal pronouncement against divorce at all, but rather issues a call to awareness of who we are as God's beloved created beings. And with that, the possibility of communion God has blessed us with. The gift and blessing of union with God and in human relationships. But because because we are broken, living on this side of the kingdom, we forget. Sometimes we just forget. We take people for granted. We honestly make mistakes. We hurt one another, our parents, our children, our spouses, our partners, and our friends. We love, but we love imperfectly. standing here today as your priest if it were not for changes in the Episcopal Church around these matters which allowed women and those who are divorced to be ordained. So we are all blessed to be part of a church that will marry those who have been divorced, will marry same-gender couples, a church which welcomes all who seek life in the communion of the church, because it is Christ who welcomes all of us here. As the writer of the letter to the Hebrews said there at the end, Jesus calls us all to his brothers and sisters and invites us here. At the beginning, I told you about that father of the bride who reached out his hand to bring up the bride's other father. Not the traditional way it's done, but in a new way. A way that embodied the experience of love and truth for that family. I believe that the church can reach out, that we here at Trinity can reach out. We can all reach out our hands to embody the experiences of love and truth we have been given. Not excluding or judging others for their lives, but welcoming. At the end of today's gospel, Jesus sternly rebukes the disciples who are trying to prevent children from approaching him. Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. My friends, by God's grace, we are those children. None of us are rejected. Rather, we are welcomed by him. Single or married, divorced, widowed, gay, straight, confused, broken, lonely. 
Together, let us affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.